Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Welcome to Carolina Newsmakers. We're delighted to be with you this uh, this day and uh, particularly uh, happy to have with us for a second time uh, our new congressman in the 2nd District of North Carolina, Congressman or Congresswoman, actually, Deborah Ross. Uh, so, Congresswoman, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, I guess we start off with... Uh, you're just sort of settling in. So let's talk a little bit about your early experiences. Uh, as we all know, uh, most of the important work is done in Congress is in committees. So let's talk about the committees to which you have been assigned. Well, it is wonderful being back with you. And you know that I always enjoy our conversations. So thank you for inviting me back. And I hope that I get to be a regular with you. Um, I feel like I just hit the jackpot on my committees. Um, I am on the Judiciary Committee, which shouldn't uh, surprise any of your listeners because I've been a lawyer for three decades and um, I chaired the Judiciary Committee when I was in the General Assembly. Um, so I was that was the first committee I was appointed to and I'm on two subcommittees. Um, one, it has to do with civil rights and constitutional rights. And of course, that shouldn't surprise anybody, given my background in those areas. The other subcommittee deals with the courts and intellectual property. And both of those issues are so important in our district. As a matter of fact, today we had a hearing on how we need more trial court judges in the federal on the federal bench. And in North Carolina, um, the population in the Eastern District, which is where I'm from, has grown more than 150% since we last got a trial judge. And um, the caseload has almost doubled. So this is something that's actually bipartisan, um, that all throughout the, the country, we need more of these trial judges in areas where the population has grown. Um, but then also intellectual property in the research triangle area where we have all these innovators, we have um, patents that are being produced at different companies and at our universities. My second committee that I got appointed to right before impeachment is the rules committee. And the Rules Committee gives you a front row seat to what is going to be on the floor. So I get to hear every single bill and any new amendment that might get added to that bill before it goes to the floor. So I really know what is going on. And um, that's terrific because if I want to add an amendment, I can. And I already did that once to the apprenticeship bill in the Rules Committee in a way that will help all of North Carolina with dislocated workers and apprenticeship hubs. And then I also get to speak on the bill if I want to. I try not to do that too much, though, because we want to get our business done. Um, but that's been really interesting. And then finally, uh, my last committee I got appointed to is science, space, and technology. And in this Congress, it is huge um, because science is back. We have a national science advisor who's cabinet level. As we know in the research triangle area, science and technology really are so, so important. And our, our first committee hearing, which we had last Friday, was so important as well. It was on the issue of people who are resistant to taking the coronavirus vaccine. 
And we, um, it was very bipartisan, and we really wanted to get the information out about how to encourage people to take the vaccine and learn so much about what's going on all over the country. So I'm really looking forward to that committee as well. Well, it sounds like uh, these all these committees are sort of tailored to you and your background and also to your district, and that's that's good not only, I'm sure, for you, but also for the district. You know, uh, COVID-19, of course, has thrown us into a, and the pandemic situation has thrown us into a uh, unusual set of circumstances everywhere, but uh, not too much has been said in the press uh, because of other uh, factors being maybe a little bit more important. But the court system has been turned upside down and holding court, just holding court. Absolutely. And um, because I, I was a practicing lawyer up until the end of December, you know, before I took my oath of office, courts have had to close. If there's, if there's a COVID case, the clerk's office will close. They are doing everything that they can to keep people safe and healthy. But, you know, so many people come through. It has delayed trials. It has delayed justice, um, particularly criminal trials. And so we absolutely have to pay attention to how our courts are operating, give them the resources that they need, make sure we have enough judges to do the job, and make sure that the court facilities, which came up today, um, the court facilities are adequate for the 21st century. You know, the courts the courts that were able to go onto WebEx and do a lot of things remotely could get their business done, but that's not possible in all parts of our state and all parts of the country. How long will it take the courts to catch up, in your opinion, to where we are uh, back to a more normal schedule? I think that that's a better question. You should probably uh, check check with uh, superior court judges and, and with our new chief justice. But I think it's going to be years um, because we've had a year delay on so many things. And, um, you know, filings are all over the place. And then, of course, as I said before, so much of it is regional because some areas of the state had already adapted to technology and moved forward and other areas of the state are just so, so far behind. Um, but that would be a great segment for another show, Don. So see, I gave you a good idea. Well, I always need, I always need new ideas. And uh, uh, so thank you for that. We'll make a note of that. Uh, you know, the other thing that you mentioned, the, the fourth committee, the uh, science and technology, particularly important to North Carolina, because I'm not sure that North Carolinians have ever really appreciated the impact of all the federal grants that particularly North Carolina State and UNC Chapel Hill have gotten, and of course, other schools too. But those two schools in particular have received millions of dollars of, of grants that uh, uh, put a lot of people to work and also uh, in high level jobs and create new companies. Absolutely. I mean, SAS came out of uh, North Carolina State University. And then all the things that have gone on on Centennial Campus, I had a wonderful conversation with former Governor Hunt yesterday talking about how to highlight 
where North Carolina started with this, of course, with the Research Triangle Park, and then on to Centennial Campus, and then how we're attracting innovation from all over the world. And then, you know, we ha also have RTI in the Research Triangle Park, which gets so many fe federal grants and does such a wonderful job, not just here in the United States, but internationally. And I want to use this committee as an opportunity to shine a very, very bright and bold spotlight on how many wonderful things that we're doing, but also bring ideas from all over the country and all over the world back to the research triangle and be an advocate for this area. I think it's it's absolutely the right time for it. And we have we need somebody who will be an advocate. And just this past week, several announcements were made uh, out of uh, research that was done at UNC Chapel Hill about a major breakthrough in cancer. I don't think it received quite as much press as perhaps it uh, uh, should have because of other things that were so much in the news. But uh, but uh, again, we're blessed with, and, and of course, we should mention Duke, uh, while it's a private school, also they do a tremendous amount of research at Duke University also. Yes, and I... Um in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to the um, the chancellor, obviously Randy Woodson, who I've known for years because I represented NC State before, but I, I told him about this committee and talked to him about um, how we can highlight what they've done at NC State. Um, I talked to um, Vincent Price at Duke, who has came in a couple years ago. And then I also talked to um, Peter Hahn, Hans, who is now head of the UNC system. And, you know, it's it's not just the triangle. I don't know if you know this, but NCANT University uh, produces the largest number of African-American engineers in the country. And so the more we can show the good, good contributions from North Carolina and attract um, research investment and synergies with other places, um, the better off we all will be. And I'm, I'm very, very excited about being able to do that. Well, this is, uh, as, as I said, I was delighted to find out the committees to which you've been assigned because this is where the real work happens and while you are involved in all of it, uh, you will certainly be based on, on, on these four committees. And the, the excitement of the Rules Committee, I, I did not know that that gave you an actual preview of everything that's going on. Yeah, it's very exciting. We get everything and then co people come and make their cases. Um, to, uh, tomorrow, we're going to start um, hearing the Equality Act. Um, that was a, that was an interesting debate. But it, the real excitement in the Rules Committee this week was on the Wilderness Act and all the different um, federal lands that are seeking protection. And then, of course, there are members of Congress who don't want lands to get the federal protection. And so that that got very, very interesting and very, very exciting. Um, and so, like I said, I'm, I'm just excited, especially as a freshman, to be able to understand how things work early in my career. And when you understand how things work, you can get more done. Well, it's uh, certainly a, a fascinating time. And of course, the backdrop of all this, of course, is the change of administration and, and uh, that is also uh, certainly a major factor in what's going on in Congress. Um, and uh, so uh, where do you think things stand? Have the first, I guess, what, 30 days or 45 days of the Biden administration, how are they doing? 
Well, they're certainly off and running, um, and it took a while to ramp up because, you know, as you might remember, there was a little resistance from the prior administration to um, leave its, you know, station. And so after the 20th of January, things really started to move at a quick clip. And there have been quite a lot of executive orders. Um, there are several priority pieces of legislation. Of course, coronavirus relief at the top of the list. And um, we have gotten our marching orders that um, we need to get these this bill done before March the 14th, because that's when unemployment benefits will be running out. And um, as we know in North Carolina, because we have such a paltry unemployment system, that is going to be crucial to our people. But there are so many other things that are in that bill that are priorities of the Biden administration. Little known, um, there's a sweetener for Medicaid expansion, where it would be a 95% match for the first two years instead of a 90% match. And if North Carolina takes advantage of that, it would result in $2.4 billion of health care money in North Carolina in the first two years. That would be huge. Aid to local governments, obviously aid to schools, more vaccine distribution, more health care workers. And the Biden administration is off and running on that, having hearings. Um, and we're hoping to get that through. It is so, so popular among the people, not just in North Carolina, but around the country. We can, we can get through this next rough spot and then really start the recovery after people have been vaccinated. Our guest is Representative Deborah Ross, a new congresswoman from the 2nd District of North Carolina, and we will be back with more right after these messages. Excuse me. I know you have a 9 o'clock, so I'll keep this short. I'm the business suit in the back of your closet. You wore me nearly every day before your office went, quote, casual. I used to be the CEO of your closet. Now I'm just that one intern no one ever talks to. I always thought you'd circle back with me. Get granular. Keep me in the pipeline. But nada. Nothing. Don't you remember the McKittrick presentation? You spilled coffee on me, and I still looked amazing during the breakout talkback Q&A. So, I think it's time for me to move on. I've got a great resume, and I absolutely crush it in interviews, okay? Let's make this a clean break. Shift the paradigm. The only thing I ask is that you think outside the box here and do this. Take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference. Your donations to Goodwill create new jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org. Because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Back with our new congresswoman from the uh, second district, Deborah Ross, new to her job and new to her uh, assignments on those four committees that we talked about earlier uh, in the program. And uh, uh, let me ask you this, uh, with the situation that happened, the, the just unbelievable set of circumstances that happened in early uh, January, 
Do you feel safe? Are you comfortable in, in, in your offices in Washington? And do you feel safe meeting? Well, you know, that's a really, really good question. I will tell you, um, the day of the insurrection, um, I was in my office. I was not on the floor, mercifully, um, because we had been told because of coronavirus, do not come to the floor until you're going to vote or if you're going to speak. And they were talking about Arizona, so I wasn't speaking on that. I was in my office with the door locked and the window blinds down for more than 12 hours. Um, until they had us come out and vote, um, and which I thought was one of the most courageous moments. I, I was just thrilled that we all came back after the insurrection, um, particularly Vice President Pence and the Speaker, whose you know, lives were arguably you know, in question, whether or not there, somebody was going to find them. Um, so after that, you know, it was, you didn't feel 100%. Um, and we have barbed wire around the Capitol. We have members of the National Guard. But I will say that um, the temperature has turned down. And while we still have those protections around, um, people are um, starting to feel more collegial. Um, you know, we had to put we had to put metal detectors to get into the onto the house floor there were a whole lot of precautionary things done we're all taking things very very seriously we've had safety trainings we have panic buttons um, we have to leave through certain doors in the evening in order to make sure that, you know, we're protected. When I walk home to get home, um, I'm basically in an area where there's National Guard for five blocks. Um, so I, I don't I'm not afraid. But what I am afraid for is that we would have to have this situation for a long period of time. Um, there's going to be an inquiry into what happened. Um, there's also a group working on what kinds of safety measures we need. But um, in the long run, um, we don't want to have a capital that has to have a barbed wire fence and people with um, you know, the military protecting us. Um, we, you know, we're a free nation and I'm hoping that we can have the protection, but we also can have the accessibility so that people feel welcome back in the Capitol. Have you uh, set up your offices in the district? Yes, we have. And um, actually, to the point of safety, I, I'm very glad that we decided to be in a federal building because there is a security guard there. And um, we thought that would be an added um, bonus, but um, it's really become very important at this point. So we're in we're on Fayetteville Street in the old post office. Um, we've had several senators, U.S. senators who have been in that building and um, they had a little they had a suite of offices about five offices. Of course, because of coronavirus, um, you know, it's not like people are coming and going all the time. A lot of my staff are working remotely, but we wanted to be close to the, all the county offices in the county courthouse because we're only in Wake County. And we also wanted to be very close to public transportation because not everybody, you know, has a car and we wanted to be accessible. But yes, I have um, three people working on constituent matters, 
all day, every day. I, I just learned that in the last week, we helped two people get um, their money back from the IRS. So that's a good thing. Um, and then I have a, an outreach director. Of course, that most of that is being done by Zoom and a district director. And um, and then here in uh, in DC, we have eight people who are working for us. Only two come into the office because of coronavirus. But the thing I want your uh, listeners to know is that five of these um, 13 people who are working for me are young people in their 20s from the district. We have other people from the district who are working for me um, who are more experienced, but we have hired five young people, uh, two NC State graduates, I want you to know, um, who are in the district office, and then three folks who are in, um, you know, working remotely um, for the DC office. And it's just so wonderful to have their energy and their enthusiasm. They're very diverse um, from different parts of the, of the district, um, but they're all doing such a wonderful job. And it just warms my heart to give that opportunity to um, five of our young people from Wake County to um, get to work for government, get to work for Congress, and see things up close and personal. A couple of uh, questions on the COVID-19 situation. Are you satisfied with the, the effort now on, on the vaccine process, and do you think we're making adequate progress uh, as far as getting everyone uh, access to the vaccine? I think we're doing much better than the beginning. Obviously, the beginning, we were transitioning from one administration to the other. There were different incentives in place. And let's just say it was not well rolled out. Um, but I am satisfied that we are getting much better at distributing every single ounce of the vaccine that comes into North Carolina. Uh, last week, I was in the district and we had a round table with the three um, hospitals in Wake County, with the Community Health Center, with, uh, with the Wake County Health Department, with NIH, and with DHHS. And the minute they get that vaccine, they are getting it out the door. Um, the challenge will be when we have, when people have gotten vaccinated and there isn't such a mad rush to get the vaccine, to get that last 20 or 30% of people vaccinated. And so to the issue we were talking about in the first segment, we have people who are resisting taking the vaccine. And it's interesting. Um, you know, uh, several people are in the African-American and Latinx community, and there have been lots of efforts, particularly through the churches and the health departments, to get into those communities. But we learned last week that 30% of healthcare providers, people who work in nursing homes, people who work in prisons, are not interested in getting the vaccine. And that is very, very troublesome. They are our frontline workers. Um, they are interfacing with the public. And so we talked about how to overcome that vaccine resistance because we're gonna need to get everybody uh, vaccinated before we can fully open and you know, kind of go back to the life we remember from a year ago. It seems like so much longer than just a year ago. Now, there is uh, legislation uh, that uh, has been introduced by the Biden administration for further relief. This is uh, before Congress now. Uh, it is certainly a partisan issue in this particular case. When do you think some action will 
will take place and what uh, do you see coming out of that uh, legislation? Well, I think the action will take place before the 14th of March. Um, we have been told to be prepared to stay um, this weekend to get uh, get things through the House. And then, of course, the Senate has to take it up. And I'm sure your listeners, because you have pretty sophisticated listeners, have heard that the Senate has some special rules about what can be taken up. There's a, something called a Byrd Amendment, named for uh, former Senator Robert Byrd um, of West Virginia. And so that's all going to happen. But we have been told that we need to get that bill through the House um, before the end of the weekend to get it to the Senate so that whatever we get done can satisfy um, the, the March 14th deadline. So there's your authentic, your authentic vote call buzzer that you get to hear on this radio show. Um, I will say um, I'm very excited that the sweetener for Medicaid expansion is in there. There's a bunch more money for vaccine distribution. There's money for local governments, which have really borne the brunt of the coronavirus. They have the, the frontline workers. They are paying for the schools in a lot of situations. There's more money for PPE, which um, we're still in need of. Um, there's more money for more healthcare workers because so many of them on the front lines are, you know, they're getting really tired. They're working unbelievable shifts under very, very difficult circumstances. There's more, more money for unemployment benefits. As you know, there's $1,400 additional for the stimulus payments. Um, so there is a lot in there that will help us get through this next six month period of time as everybody gets vaccinated, make sure that people can stay in their homes, make sure that people have enough to eat, make sure that we can open our schools safely. All those things that we need to do to get to the other side. Um, this is a, a question that I, this is not a setup question, but uh, how worried are you about the federal deficit? Because we are spending a lot of money that we're having to borrow. And uh, I think almost all the economists uh, say we really don't have a lot of choice. But uh, sooner or later, this is going to, have to be paid off. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I do think I do worry about the next generation. And I, I think about what they're going to what they're going to have to deal with. But I worry more about how far back people will be set if we do not make these investments in the economy right now. Most of the economists have said, and if you talk to the Chambers of Commerce, and you know the Chamber of Commerce is for this, if we make these investments now, we will rebound very quickly. We will have that economic growth. We will have people paying taxes. We will have our businesses ready to ramp up and thrive again. And if we lose them, that's a drain on our economy as well. So I think this is a smart investment. Nobody is saying that we're going to do this over and over and over again, but it is a smart investment for right now to get us through this hard spot so that we can really take off once the coronavirus is under control. Well, it seems that most of the economists are in agreement with your your uh, statement there. And of course, it's a little bit like the old Fram oil com uh, commercial, pay me now, pay me later. Uh, and uh, uh, that that's uh, one of the great commercials of all times because there's so much wisdom in that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And our people are really in need. I mean, there are people, the food banks, 
are running out of food. People are calling my office about foreclosures. We really need to help people get through this hard spot. But I'm so optimistic that things will take off once we crush this virus. Well, I know that you've got to get on the floor and uh, cast your vote. And we, we appreciate very much you taking time to be with us. This program, of course, pre-recorded prior to Sunday uh, when it airs on most stations. And we will look forward to having you back with us again soon. Our guest, yes. Representative Deborah Ross. Have a good day, Representative. Thank you. It's always a pleasure being with you. Take care. We will be back with more right after these messages. 